Choir, we are always indebted to you for your ministry. David, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for to the folks to my left and for their ministry as well. We appreciate you. Thank you. Alan, are you tired? <laughs> God is good. God is good. Again, it is good to be with you this morning. First day of the new year, first Sunday of the new year, rather, and we're in God's house to worship Him. Pray with me. Father, speak to our hearts this morning. We are on the threshold of another year. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your protection through a year past. And we look forward to another year under your direction, by your grace. May we get to an appropriate beginning this morning. An opportunity for all of us to wipe the slate clean for the sins of the past. To thank you for that forgiveness. And to be reminded of how that forgiveness came about. It was not because we deserved to be forgiven. It was not because we are such a lovely people that we had to be redeemed. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We thank you for your grace and mercy to all of us in the year past and pray that we might be under the cloud of your grace and mercy for another year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We come this morning to celebrate one of the most significant events in the life of the church. I have always in my own mind, pondered the frequency with which the Lord's table should be celebrated. As a child, I grew up, and it was celebrated quarterly. That's what's done here at Wake Chapel. We celebrate communion quarterly, but that's four times a year. I wonder... How it is handled, and I, I, I wouldn't say that it shouldn't be done every Sunday, for there are churches that, that celebrate communion every Sunday. But sometimes, very candidly, I wonder if because we celebrate communion with the regularity that we do here at Wake Chapel four times a year, even there, does not familiarity breed at least some measure of contempt. Ho-hum, we've done that before. Ho-hum, same passages of Scripture. And how could they not be the same passages of Scripture? Because that's what describes what we're going to do. But I know all that. I know all of that. Ho-hum. I wonder if it's possible that that might creep into our thinking. And therefore, we lose the significance of what is behind our brief time here this morning. This worship service is spoken of in a number of different ways, even in the scriptures. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 calls it the Lord's Supper. Once in a while I have had someone say to me, the Lord's Supper, that's a, that sounds a little 
routine or mundane. And on one or two occasions, I have thought the lady who said that to me, it's not anybody here, it hadn't happened to me here, but uh, if we called it the Lord's dinner, that would sound better. That's not what Paul said. He called it the Lord's Supper. Luke used the phrase, the breaking of bread in Acts 2, in Acts 20, and then again in Luke 24. The breaking of bread. To go back to the Apostle Paul, he used the term communion. And if you read the Apostle Paul, you will see that he had two thoughts in mind. The individual Christian's communion with his or her Heavenly Father. And I would ask you this morning, are you in fellowship with your Heavenly Father? When he used the word communion to describe it, he also had in mind communion one with another. Question, are you out of sorts with somebody here this morning? I think these are questions that need to be raised. If it's communion, communion with whom? With our Father in heaven. Is there something that's hindering your fellowship with Him? Is there something in your life that needs to be corrected, that you need to deal with, that's hindering that communion? And as I've just pointed out, is there something that's between you and another brother or sister in Christ? Communion. It's also referred to in... uh, though not in Scripture, but widely referred to as the Eucharist. The Eucharist comes from a Greek word, which means the giving of thanks. Whatever the reference, whatever the wording that is used, I believe this is one of the most significant events, as I said at the beginning, in the life of any church. It was instituted by our Lord. You know, there's so many things going around churches. Frankly, I I think that Jesus has nothing to do with. Now, that may be a surprise to some of you. Pastor, you mean there are things in churches that Jesus had nothing to do with? Yes, I do. There's there's a lot of, uh, in many churches, there's a lot of politicking that goes on. If you want to find out in a number of churches, thank God this is not one of them, but if you want to find out what's going on in a number of churches, just linger on the church steps after a worship service. That way you'll really get the skinny of what's going on. Jesus had nothing to do with that. This service of worship was instituted by our Lord himself. That elevates it above everything else. I think Sunday school is important. Jesus never said diddly about Sunday school. But I think that's very important. And if you don't come, you ought to come. We've got good teachers that prepare and teach faithfully. If you're not in Sunday school, you need to be in Sunday school. But Jesus instituted this. I find nothing in the Word of God where he says, come to Sunday school. It's a chance for you to study the Word of God, though. So don't denigrate that. Don't put that down. Don't say Sunday school is for kids. Sunday school is for kids. It's for young people. It's for adults. This was instituted by the Lord. To me, that puts it in a different category. 
Jesus is the one who said that the bread symbolized his body. Now, in the plates on either side of the two center ones, we have small wafers. That's symbolic of his body. Jesus said the bread symbolized his body, which was given for us. In the center of our table, there are small containers of grape juice. Some churches use wine. I find nothing wrong with that. We use grape juice here. And the grape juice symbolizes his blood. I don't know you, but I'm overcome with that. To partake of that which he said symbolized my body and my blood, which was shed for you. What a thought. And we think, ho-hum, I know this, I've done this before. God help us. May the Lord deliver us from that kind of thinking. Third time, I'll say it again. This is one of the most significant events in the life of any church. Whether it's celebrated weekly, monthly, quarterly, or whatever. I would like for you, please, to take a hymnal and turn with me to number 647 in that hymnal. Six hundred forty seven. Again, familiarity. Few communion services in my day, in my time, have been taken part in where these verses were not read. Six hundred forty seven in your Hymnal, we could have read them from the scriptures. But our hymnal is not only something we sing from, but it is a worship book. And that's one reason, from time to time, I enjoy reading from our hymnal. 647, let's read responsively. Would you stand with me, please? Reading responsively. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. In the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye should show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and 
For if we would not judge ourselves, or excuse me, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. This is the word of God, and God always blesses his word. You may be seated. From time to time, I take some things from the words that we have just read from the pen of the Apostle Paul and comment about them from this passage. I want to suggest three things this morning. First of all, in verse 28 of that passage of Scripture, and I realize the verses were not given as we read through them. They were not numbered. But in verse 28, it says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him partake. This is not a time, frankly, I don't think there is ever a time when the people of God ought to come to church and examine somebody else. Boy, that's easy though, isn't it? Huh? Come on. I know I'm not the only one that thinks that's easy to do. It's easy to examine somebody else's life, isn't it? And it's a whole lot more fun than examining our own, isn't it? It is. Paul said, let a man examine himself. This is not a time to examine somebody else. And this examination that the Apostle Paul speaks of should lead to repentance. It should lead to our saying to our Heavenly Father, I have sinned. I'm confessing that to you. And trusting you for that cleansing which you have provided. This should be a time of examination. Though Paul doesn't state it, the overall atmosphere of the words that we have read indicates to me a celebration. Why should we celebrate? Our thoughts are of his death. We celebrate because he didn't remain in the grave. We celebrate because he is alive. So it's a time of examination. It is a time of celebration. And it is a time of anticipation. You remember just reading those words? When we partake of this table, we do proclaim the Lord's death. And the last three words there are, until he comes. It's a time of anticipation. He is going to return. Last Sunday morning, I spoke about looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you willing to examine your heart today? Are you willing to be open before the Lord? Are you willing to tell the Lord what he already knows? I have sinned. See, we're not giving the Lord any information here, folks. He knows already. Confession is just telling him, I know I have sinned. And acknowledging that to our Heavenly Father. That's what confession is all about. Should we celebrate? Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't have to wait till Easter. He arose. He's not dead. And his resurrection is what separates Christianity from every other religion. Every other ism, schism, spasm, and asm. That's what makes Christianity different. He arose. 
Our Savior is not dead in a grave somewhere in Europe. He's alive. Celebrate? You bet. You bet. Anticipate? Yes. Yes. Here at Wake Chapel Church, we do not believe in what is commonly referred to as closed communion. When I grew up, I grew up in a church that practiced closed communion. In other words, if you weren't a member of that church, you were not invited to participate in this table. But you know, without being critical of, of my past many years ago, or the way anyone else does it today, I don't mean to be critical, but I have a question about that. Whose table is it? It's spoken of as the Lord's table. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to Wake Chapel Church. It doesn't belong to the church across the street, the church up the road, the church in Holly Springs, the church in Cary, the church in Raleigh, or anywhere else. It doesn't belong to them. It is the Lord's table. And therefore, he is the only one who has the right to invite to this table or to exclude from it. He's the only one. So far as I'm able to find in the New Testament, there is only one thing that is required. Well, let me say two things required to come to this table, and he's the one who put them in practice, put them in place. We don't. We didn't. We never could. One is that you belong to him. See, this is his table. In everyday ordinary living, you wouldn't just walk in and eat at somebody else's table, would you? You'd be a member of the family. That's what we're doing here. To know Jesus Christ personally. And that gives you a right to come to this table. And that's not a man-made injunction. He put that in place. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a place at this table. There is one caveat. We are to come to the table clean. You remember what it was like when you were growing up? Did your mother ever ask you, did you wash your hands? And for some of us, our mothers didn't trust us. Let me see them. Your mom ever do that? Yeah, sure. You come to the table clean. We come to this table having our sins confessed. That's what makes us clean before the Lord. Would you bow your heads and your hearts? Don't be overwhelmed by the silence. Sometimes people are. I want to take just a moment or two and give anyone here an opportunity. Maybe you didn't know we were having communion this morning. Maybe you did and things were just too hectic at your household. Even when you sat down for breakfast to take time to confess your sins to the Lord. I will give us a moment or two to do that and then I will lead us in prayer. Shall we pray? Our Father, we confess that we are greatly prone to sin and little inclined to obedience. We are attached to our pleasures. And so we neglect 
spiritual things. We are prompt to gratify our desires and prompt to satisfy the desires of our bodies and slow to nourish our souls. We are greedy for present delight and indifferent to lasting blessedness. We are fond of idleness, of rest, indisposed to labor. We are soon at play and late at prayer. We are eager to get, but reluctant to give. We are severe with others, and yet we are very indulgent with ourselves. All too often our tongues are unruly. Our dispositions fretful and irritable. We mask cold hearts by friendly faces. We are jealous, discontent, unwilling to learn, and we are too stubborn and rebellious to change. All these we confess to thee, our Father. And we pray, have mercy upon us, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out our transgression. Wash us from our iniquity. Cleanse us from our sin. Cleanse us from secret faults, for they are not secret to you. Keep us from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over us, we pray. Let not the sins of yesterday be repeated in life today, nor the sins of life today set an evil example for life tomorrow. We make our prayer of confession in the strong name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the night in which the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Deacon Joe Fort will lead us in prayer for the bread. Pray with me, please. Our Heavenly Father, as we prepare to partake of this small wafer that is symbolic of your Son who came from heaven to this earth as man, lived a sinless life, but was falsely accused, was beaten, crowned with a crown of thorns, crucified on a cross, and raised again on the third day so that we may have life and have it more eternal. We do this in remembrance of you. Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In like manner also, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Our deacon David McCreary will lead us in prayer for the cup. Let's pray, please.
Father, as we reflect on the cup we're about to partake, we think about the sacrifice of Jesus. Help us to never forget the enormous price that was paid on our behalf. May we always remember that we have been bought with a price, the precious blood of our Savior and Lord, which was poured out for us at the cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The cup represents his shed blood on Calvary's cross. He said, this do in your remembrance of me. Gentlemen, just put your cups on the table and place the congregation. Dear people, if we have done as instructed in the New Testament... The slate is clean. Our sins are forgiven. We have confessed them. I don't know about you, but I just kind of like to take a deep breath now. Say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Isn't God good to his people? At the close of that first celebration of the Lord's table, the Savior and the disciples simply sang a hymn and went out. And that's pretty much our practice here at Wake Chapel. We'll sing, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. 